You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is going on, everybody? Welcome. Welcome to the Overreaction Sports Podcast brought to you by the Market Dominator on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. I am the voice of the Overreaction Sports Podcast. My name is Joe Miller. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. And a lot of you ask me all the time, who is this Market Dominator guy? And I'll be honest with you, the Market Dominator is my very good friend, John Spascheck. John is a real estate broker with Keller Williams. Keller Williams Williams is the largest real estate brokerage in the entire world. I was surprised when I heard that. I bet you probably are as well. Uh, but I do want to give a special shout out to Lyle. My guy Lyle actually just, Lyle and John just entered contract with Lyle's house. Uh, they're looking to sell Lyle's house. They just entered, entered contract. So congratulations, Lyle. And thank you so much for taking my advice and going to the market dominator. Uh, I would say this to everybody listening. If you are within earshot of my voice and you are looking to sell or purchase a home, do yourself a favor. Do the same thing that I did. Call John. You can reach him at 716-570-3298. Listen, Lyle called John the first time John answered the phone. Think about that for a second. How many times do we get a voicemail? And then if you're like me, I don't leave voicemails with people. So it's like, I'll just keep trying and keep trying. And then eventually I give up and go to the next person. John answered the first time Lyle called him. 716-570-3298. You can also reach him on his email, youreliteBroker at gmail.com. John is also Bill's Mafia. You can find him on Twitter at youreliteBroker. If you want the best, go with the best. Call John. Get your house sold. Uh, get maximum value for it. And if you're looking to buy a house, you need the best team on your side. That is John's team. But... The business is behind us. The market dominator has been announced. The show has been announced. It's so good to have all of you with me right now here on the Overreaction Sports Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I say this every single week. If you are a first-time listener or a long-time listener, look, the off-season is long. It has been, it's been way better than last offseason. <laughs> Let's be honest. This offseason has been a thousand times better than last offseason. Uh, but the offseason is still long. Uh, but whether you are a first-time listener, a long-time listener, I'm just excited that you're here. And as always, this is Joe Marino's favorite part. As always, whether this podcast finds you around a cup of coffee, on the commute to or from work or at the gym with your AirPods in, or now watching me live on YouTube and in the chat room, let me one more time just say, welcome into the show. Got a good got a good show for you uh, lined up. We got EJ Daniels, uh, Cold Front Report contributor, as well as the PFF Buffalo correspondent. So he is literally the guy that has been uh, uh, picked to, to cover PFF for the city of Buffalo. He also is a regular uh, contributor to Cold Front. Cold Front is a bunch of great dudes. Uh, shout out to Clayton Garrett. Clayton Garrett believed in me when nobody did. The very first podcaster in the game in 2019 that reached out to me just to say, hey, bro, keep keep grinding. You're doing a great job. Would love to come on your show. Would tell people about my show. That guy was Clayton Garrett. And so quick shout out to Clayton. Clayton, you're the man. I appreciate you and appreciate everything you're doing over there at Cold Front. I love the Cold Front guys. But EJ Daniels is going to be on the show today. We're going to be talking about get this, we're going to be talking about the Buffalo Bills offensive position groups. So we're talking about quarterbacks, right? Running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and the offensive line. And EJ is going to rank the AFC East as it pertains to position groups for us. So I'm going to pepper him, him with some questions. And 
I expect the comment section, this is going to be a fun give and take, a little bit of a back and forth with the comment section. I'm going to be looking for some interaction with the comment section tonight or today. Uh, I need you guys to help me out. And if you've got questions, I'm going to get to them as I can for EJ and see why he thinks what he thinks, why he believes. EJ is great. EJ is very measured. EJ is very balanced. EJ is not what I would consider I am. He is not a homer. Uh, he is very level-headed as it pertains to the Buffalo Bills and their their players and their positions. He sometimes uh, gets a little bit, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, uh, in a space that I probably am not in. So I do push back a little bit on him, whether it's on Twitter or uh, on Jay Spence's show last week. But uh, EJ's a good dude. Stick around. He'll be coming up in about the next five, six, seven minutes or so. Before that, I want to get to a couple points. I want to get to a couple talking points. Next week, there probably is not going to be an overreaction show. Next week on Friday is my birthday. I'm going to be 48 years old. I don't know how this happened, but it happened. 48 years old next week on Friday. And then Sunday, as everybody knows, is Father's Day. Uh, more than likely, we're going to be spending it at my parents' cottage on the lake, uh, obviously celebrating him, Joe Miller Jr., uh, I'm Joe Miller the third, and uh, there more than likely will not be a show next Sunday. If there is, I will let everybody know. But as of right now, if the weather goes sideways and I'm home all day Sunday, there will be a show. But if I'm at the lake all week or all day next Sunday, I probably will not have a show. So that's next week. The Buffalo Bills. Let's talk about the Bills just for a couple minutes. Actually, we're going to talk about the Bills a lot, but let's talk about uh, just some quick notes. The Bills just finished all of their OTAs. Uh, and it was funny to me, all the overreaction to the first set of OTAs and all the guys that weren't there. And I know that some guys, Jerry Hughes, et cetera, did not show up for any of them. And I know a lot of guys that we were nervous about, Diggs, did show up for at least one of them. Uh, but the good news is, is OTAs are over. And now we are looking, we're staring down the barrel of mandatory mini camps, June 15th. So Tuesday of this week, mini camps open June 15th, 16th, and 17th. Everybody has to be there that is a rostered or signed Buffalo Bill uh, member of this football team. Uh, we're 90-ish days away from week one of the NFL regular season. Training camp begins July 27th at Ralph Wilson Stadium. It's going to take me a long time to be able to call it Highmark Field or whatever it is. I'll be honest with you. I still don't call it Bill Stadium. It's still either the Ralph to me or Rich Stadium. However, uh, training camp starts July 27th. I would tell you this. Brandon Bean said in his presser that they are working on getting at least one, at the very least one, possibly two practices open to the public in the stadium, which they've done in the past. If they do that, I will be there. I would love to connect with other members of Bill's Mafia. Here's the thing. I'm going to warn you, it's COVID season still. Yes, I think the governor announced we're at like 0.43% statewide, which is low. However, if I know you on Twitter or if I know you from this show or you've interacted with me, I'm going to throw a hug on you, COVID or not. So if you do not want a hug, if you want to keep socially distanced, I would probably tell you to not work on meeting up with me at one of those open practices. Uh, but uh, I'm a, I'm a huggy kind of guy. That's just kind of the way that I was raised by my mama. Uh, but I would love to finally meet and connect with a lot of bills mafia uh, at one of the training camps, open training camps are going to be happening at high Mark field. I'm going to have to like write notes and like put a sticky note on my, on my computer screen that says high Mark field or high Mark stadium or whatever it is. But uh Mandatory minicamp, June 15th, 17th through the 17th. During phase three, teams can begin. So these are the these are the rules as it pertains to mandatory minicamp. I'm going to give them to you real quick. During phase three, teams can begin in-person meetings and classroom instruction instruction. Now, clearly, we do not know necessarily where the bills are as it pertains to vaccinations, and the NFL has stipulations right now on how close or how many people can be in a room based on vaccination percentages, yada, yada, yada. I'm not here to talk about that crap. I don't really give a crap. Uh, for me, that's a personal choice. The players are going to make their choices and they're going to live their lives. However, three uh, phase three teams can begin in-person meetings in and, and classroom instruction, both of which are subject to COVID-19 testing, tracking, and other protocols. No live contact is permitted during this time, but teams can run 11 on 11, 9 on 7, and 7 on 7 drills. This is where it starts getting real. So I'm very excited. I don't have access to mini camps, but I'm excited to hear from, you know, Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot and Vic Carucci and all the guys, you know, Sal, just to find out what the team looks like, what these guys look like. 
I'm highly interested in, you know, Tremaine Edmonds and what he looks like. I'm highly interested in Isaiah Hodgins. I'm highly interested in several players, uh, even Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson, kind of where guys are fitting in and how they kind of look coming off of this offseason. And let's be honest, we're all a little bit interested based off of what we saw on Twitter in Star Latulale and how he looks. He looked a little underweight to me. That doesn't mean that he's going to enter the season underweight. These guys, for a living, take off and put on weight. However, right now, he looks about 20 to 30 pounds light to me. Doesn't mean anything until September. But uh, I'm excited to see him on the field, on the practice field, and just excited to see what he's going to bring. Uh, Another point of note, I got uh, EJ coming up in about four minutes. Another point, Julio Jones officially traded to Tennessee. How do we feel about that, Bills Mafia? How do we feel about EJ, or I'm sorry, EJ, how do we feel about Julio Jones? Read my notes backwards. Uh, How do we feel about Julio Jones being traded to Tennessee? For me, I'm not super worried. Does it make their offense better? Yes. However, we're also talking about an offense that lost uh, uh, Smith, their tight end, their big tight end, uh, and they also lost Corey Davis. So for me, Julio Jones is a huge addition. He's going to fill that Corey Davis role, but their defense is not great. I'm actually, and I know this is going to upset some of Bill's mafia, I'm actually relatively happy he did not end up in Buffalo. I feel we have bigger needs than Julio Jones. To that point, and we're about, like I said, three minutes away from EJ joining us. The Bills are still sitting on cap space created from changing Stephon Diggs' uh, signing bonus and moving it forward. They've got $7.8 million in cap space that they have not used. However, this past weekend, talks have seemingly, or at least we have been told, have heated up in the Ertz sweepstakes as it pertains to the Buffalo Bills, reaching out and finding out what it's going to take to get Ertz from Philadelphia. Current rostered tight ends, at least of note for the Buffalo Bills, obviously Dawson Knox, fan favorite. I love Dawson Knox. Jacob Hollister uh, has a lot of promise. It clearly has history with Josh Allen. Played well at Seattle. No, he's not a world beater, but he played well. Uh, Sweeney is back. If you like the stash, Sweeney's your guy. He's back. Fully recovered from the heart issues that he had from his bout with COVID. And then obviously Reggie Gilliam, who they have listed as a fullback, but he's big enough to play tight end so with that the bills still have 7.8 million dollars in cap space to use the majority of their draft picks if i'm not mistaken the important ones have been signed so that money is there for them to use as they see fit the question is what are they going to do with it and what's funny is is as i'm about to bring ej into the show ej from pff and Colfront report we're going to rank the afc east based on position groups And the position group, particularly, specifically, at tight end, literally could go from being number four, potentially, in the AFC East to maybe number one, if you think about it, with just the simple addition of Zach Ertz. And that's something to think about. And I'll be honest with you, that is a move that I would be making. But without any further ado, I want to take just a moment to welcome into the show, welcome into the Overreaction Sports Podcast, EJ Daniels from the Colfer Report from PF, PFF Buffalo. EJ, how are you? I'm good. I, I I think I feel like I finally made it. I'm on Joe Miller's <laughs> show. I'm on the Overreaction Podcast. I've I finally made it. I finally hit the big time. So again, I appreciate you having me on your podcast, Joe. It's been a long time coming for me, and it's truly an honor to be on your podcast. Well, dude, I appreciate that. It's really yeah. I I want to say it's no big deal. Um, it really, it really is not. It's a big, it's, I, a big de- it's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate you. So let's do this, EJ. Let's start. So you can find EJ at, uh, at on Twitter at EJ uh, at E Daniel seventy seven. He's like I said, he is the correspondent. So if you go and you follow PFF underscore Buff or is it Bills? PFF underscore Bills. Uh, that's yep. also the handle that uh, EJ runs. He's also on Cold Front Report, and I love as I said at the top of the show, the Cold Front guys. Tell us, EJ, you know, how you kind of got connected. How did you get connected to PFF? How did you give us a little bit of your history? How did you get connected to Cold Front? How did you get in the racket? That's what I'm looking for. Give me some history. So the way I got with PFF is um, I was pissed because I hate my job. (laughs) Just to be quite (laughs) honest with you. And um, I was looking for a new job and um, I was on Instagram and I was like, oh, man, I was like, uh, I saw this ad for, hey, if you love football and are passionate about football. Uh, come apply and I was like well I'm passionate about football so I applied 
and the rest is history, to be quite honest with you. That's really all it's sucking. As far as yeah. Cold Front, um, I just kind of wanted to connect with Bill's Mafia. I've said many times that Bill's Mafia is probably, at this moment in time, probably the best fans in the NFL in terms of passion for their team. Preach! So, <laughs> so I wanted to go out and connect. So I went out, connected, and then I met Clayton Garrett, who was He's one of the... Uh, yeah, who's one of the head guys over at Cold Front? He was like, Hey, EJ, you know, I see what you do for the PFF Bills account. He's like, Would you mind joining or would you be interested in joining? I was like, Sure, but I've never written before. He was like, It's cool. You don't have to write or anything like that. Obviously, I do write, but he was just telling me, like, he just wanted me to help out. It was very promising. So, you know, that's the rest of that is history, also. So that's kind of how I got into with Cold Front. Too. That's awesome. So it was, so Chris Janke literally said, EJ is a good follow on Twitter. This is what I would tell you if you're looking for, Everybody that you follow on Twitter to say that the fourth string, whatever position of the Buffalo Bills is the greatest player in the NFL. That's not EJ. EJ is going to give it to you straight. He's a little bit of, dare I say, an antagonist. Would you agree with that, that you're a little bit of a Bills antagonist? See, see, Spence says the same thing, that I'm a I'm a Bills <laughs> hater or whatever. Not a hater. I'm not saying hater. You did it. This is what I will say. I am a guy who first and foremost loves football. That's number one. I'm a football. I'm an analyst of football first. Right. And so secondly, I do like the bills because I'm from Rochester, New York. I live in Rochester, New York. And so obviously the city is muddled with bills fans. Right. So I watch the game very, very closely, very tightly. I'm on a quest to learn everything I can about football. So I am going to tell you guys that I what I do is I speak facts. So when I tell you guys that Trey White is not a top five corner in the NFL, it's because I've watched. I've watched all his snaps and I'm comparing him to the guys who are actually consensus top five. And I'm saying he's not a top five corner based on the guys that they have above him or the guys that we feel are better than him. Who the five better? Who Who the five better? Ramsey, Xavier, Gilmore, uh, I like I'm like Mark Sean Lattimore. People are very low on him. Um, before you before you finish before you finish your yeah, wire, yeah. you you have yeah. to give some credence to what's up front. So yes, okay. you watch every snap, but when it comes to hip fluidity, when you when it comes to read and react, when it comes to study, everybody talks about Trey and his ability to study, and we're totally mm-hmm. rabbit trailing already. We haven't even started the show, and we're already rabbit trailing. But I can't, I, I can't let it go. Like I can't be the guy that's on this end interviewing somebody on that end, as we see much happen in Bills Mafia world and bill sports media where they just sit back and take it as people talk about the Buffalo Bills. I have to challenge a little bit. I'm not saying you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely not saying that. But there has to be something said about who's in front of, and by that I mean the defensive line and the linebackers, of the, the cornerback. Every person that you're going to name top five probably has a more effective defensive line and linebacker core than the Bills had last season. Would you or would you not agree? I would agree. You would agree. So it matters, right? Yes, so we're, most certainly. We, yeah, so there's an aspect of when you're when you're comping and when you're ratioing, almost looking at 2000, 2019 makes maybe a little more sense then looking at 2020, because the Bills' defensive line was trash in 2020. And I okay. I love those guys, and I'm not trying to be mean to the Buffalo Bills, but some of those guys are gone for a reason. And there's a, and there's a reason that the Bills have done what they've done, and they've brought in more guys, and they've brought in more players and more bodies, and some dudes that we know that have names are going to get cut this year. Uh, and that's also why they went edge-edge, 1-2, which is unheard of in the NFL draft, edge-edge, 1-2. That's just something that... NFL teams don't do edge edge mm-hmm. board falling to you or not. So, but yes, get, get, get back to your soapbox. So you're going to tell Bill's oh. Mafia the way that is go keep going, brother. Oh, all I, all I wanted to say, and not, let me not forget one of my favorite, my new favorite corner, Jair Alexander, please don't let me forget him. He is most certainly in the top five after the year he had this year. But anyway, all I wanted to say, this is, this is my Janky, Janky was on it, bro. Janky threw it right. out there. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, Janky. I, I, I had to, I had to look at my list. Sometimes I blank when it comes to top five. So I had to look at my list, but all I want to say is there's a big difference between being a really good corner and then being a top five corner. Agreed. Trey White is a really good corner and there's nothing wrong with being really good. But I asked this question to you, Joe, I'm going to pose you a question here. Here's the question. Mm-hmm. The Rams played the most zone coverage last year by far, right? The Bills played a lot of zone, a zone heavy scheme too. Yep. If you take Jalen Ramsey off the Rams and you put Trey White in his place, would they be as good? 
Uh, it's debatable. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Trey, that Trey White is better than Jalen Ramsey. I mean, when but you're that's, pick, that's, when that's you're a picking top five when, corner though. That's, that's when you're, when you're, when you're, yeah, but, and the, and Stephon Diggs owned him in that football game. He, right. he got one touchdown on him in, in this. He, it was more, it was more than it was more than one touchdown. Yeah, but but you would also argue that that Stephon Diggs is probably not a top four wide receiver in the NFL. No, oh no, yes he is. He's oh, you would. Okay. Four. Oh my yeah. Bad. My bad. My bad. Oh, I, thought, yeah. I, I thought for sure there was four or five guys you'd put in front of Stephon. Oh Diggs. no, no, I love Stephon Diggs. Um, it's it's tough because you know, zone and man are are interesting concepts, and Trey plays zone well. And we have seen Trey study to the point and know what's coming at him well enough to watch him pull off of his man because he knows what the quarterback's about to do enough times. And Jalen is right there. Jalen is great. I mean, Jalen is one of the best corners in the NFL. Um, it, it's it's hard for me to comp back and forth you know, with stuff like that just because the, dude, the dude's got Aaron Donald in front of him. And the Buffalo, mm-hmm. there's there's only one Aaron Donald in the entire NFL. Aaron Donald, as much as as much as Jalen Ramsey was great in Jacksonville, Jalen Ramsey with Aaron Donald in front of him is plus two, plus three. I mean, like right? Isn't that what we're talking about? Yeah, and and that is a fair point that you brought that you bring up, Joe. But I would make this counterpoint: Jalen was good before he had uh, Aaron Donald in front of him. He was an all pro before actually before he had Aaron Donald Correct. in front of him. Correct. And he's an all pro after Aaron Donald also. For sure. So the thing is, the thing is, is like remember sure. when the Rams played the Seahawks? They played the Seahawks three times, actually. They played the Seahawks three times, and then the Bills played the Seahawks. I would just urge every Bills fan, if you disagree heavily with what I'm saying, go look at what happened when Jalen Ramsey went up against DK three times, and go look at what happened when Trey White went up against DK. Not in zone, look at it in man. Yeah, yeah. Jalen Ramsey held man is tough for, yeah, man's, for, for Trey. Man, man's different. No, I would agree. I, I would I would somewhat agree with what you're saying. So I'm not I'm not necessarily yeah. gonna disagree, but this year I think is going to be a different year for Trey White. I think the Bills regain from a defensive line standpoint. I think they regain their footing, they find themselves again, and they put themselves in a position where Trey White turns back into one of those top three, four, five guys in the NFL, a, a true shutdown corner. But we'll see. I mean, we it's it's pure speculation at this point. But you already conceded that the, you know who's in front of the cornerback makes a big difference because he clearly does. And as far as Xavier Howard goes, it's hard for me, bro, because like I hear these things. Xavier Howard is not Stefan Gilmore and Stefan. We have history. Like that's the dude we broke up with in Buffalo. And, and there was a lot of, I was not upset to see Stefan Gilmore go in Buffalo based on the, it was an 88 or $80 million contract, 82, whatever the number mm-hmm. was huge number. However, Stefan Gilmore has done a very good job of shutting down Buffalo bills, wide receivers. When we played the Patriots kind of other than that one, like, double move that, that John Brown put on him a couple years ago. There's an aspect to Xavier Howard that like Josh Allen beat Xavier Howard a lot. And so do the bills receivers. Xavier Howard gets a lot of interceptions, but I, I'm not here necessarily to say that Xavier Howard is better than Trey white, but that's beside the point. That's maybe a different day. <laughs> it could be, it could be a different day or it could be right now. I mean, for, for every point you make, I got a counterpoint. I mean, of course we, you do. We, we, we have to understand how tough it is in the NFL to get 10 picks. I mean, he had a pick against Tyreek Hill and that's a receiver who pretty much no one can cover one-on-one. Yeah. But is that because, so, of, the is that because of the quarterback or is it because it was, Oh no, it's, oh, no, it's cause of him. It's cause of him. All right. Oh, all you, right. Oh, you talk about the interception. Excuse me. Correct. No, yeah, it was yeah. because it was great. It was great coverage. Great coverage. Gotcha, gotcha. Watch, go watch the go watch the play now. I gotcha, mean, gotcha. I, I know it's, it's tough to hear that a Miami corner is better than somebody from Buffalo. And I don't think a Buffalo fan would ever utter that, but listen, go, go watch the tape, man. Go watch. Listen, the tape. listen I just told you, I'm going to be for well, you before the show. I didn't tell you. I told everybody I'm going to be 48 on Friday. I'm going to be mm-hmm. 48 years old on Friday. Dan Marino, hands down is one of the best top three quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL. We owned him. I'm okay if Xavier Howard is a top five corner cornerback in the NFL. If we own him every time we play him, I'm good with it. Be the best. If we're going to own you every week, who gives a crap? Be as good as you right. want to be. <laughs> but, but now we're, now we're talking about a different conversation. Now we're talking about who's better out of the bills in Miami. And we know, we know who's better, you know, that's a different conversation for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to and watching potentially the overreaction sports podcast. Brought to you by the Market Dominator on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. I'm here with my guy, EJ Daniels, from uh, both Cold Cold Front Report and PFF Buffalo. 
And we are now going to transition into what we're supposed to be talking about. It's funny because we can do a whole show, obviously, on the defense. We could probably just ad lib a whole show. Uh, but we're going to talk about uh, ranking uh, the AFC East by position. So we're not talking about necessarily one player. One player is going to make a big difference, obviously, in a situation like quarterback. Josh Allen, hands down, is the best quarterback in the AFC East. That doesn't necessarily mean and that the whole quarterback group is the best. It probably is. But. You get the point. So we're going to go quarterback, running back, uh, wide receiver, tight end, and then offensive line. And what we're going to do is we're going to allow EJ to kind of give us his feeling on where the whole entire division ranks out for uh, the 2021 season. And we're going to, if you're okay with it, EJ, we're going to pepper you with some questions, whether they come of from course. the conversation or come, come from me. But uh, this is going to be fun. So obviously we'll start with the easy one. So when you talk about or when you think about the AFC East. And I'm super interested because as much as much as it's a runaway for Buffalo right now because of 2020 with Josh Allen, that second, third, and fourth place situation, even as I'm looking at it, even with Tua, is a little bit of a I don't know who comes out in second quarterback. So who do you have ranked AFC East wise cornerback one, two, three, four? Number one, obviously I have the Bills. Number one. Right, right. I mean, right. Josh Allen is arguably a top five quarterback in this league. We argued um, it last week. We sure did. <laughs> I have him number six. Joe, what'd you have? Number three, right? I think I'm three. Yeah. Three or four. Yeah, yeah. Three. I mean, wherever you want to put them, like I said, if someone put them in the top five, I, I'm not going to push back heavily. I'm going to push back a little bit. Not when you're heavily, at, but when you're at three, four, five, and six, there's not much wiggle room. Between yeah, three, yeah. four, five, and six. You're talking I about agree. great quarterbacks in the NFL, right? Right. So, so obviously, because Josh is that good, you have no choice but to put him number one. And then if you even want to go to the second quarterback on Buffalo, I mean Mitchell Trubisky's won playoff games. You know yeah, what I mean? He's he's better than he's better than two quarterbacks in this division for sure. I I, yeah. I agree. Uh he, he's he's been a pro bowler for whatever that's worth. I mean, to you guys. So right. <laughs> I mean, but the Bills have two. Pro Bowl quarterbacks, and I don't know how many uh, players, can, how many teams, excuse me, can say that right now, but I know there's one team in the AFC East that can say that, so they're not my number one team. My number two team, which will probably get me some pushback, but I'm going to go to Patriots. Why? Wow. Because I am a huge, huge Cam Newton fan, and people have to be, <laughs> people have to be a little, they have to just pump the brakes a little bit this is because. the moment this is the moment though because you you pump the brakes on bill's mafia on twitter every day i see it dude mm -hmm. and i and i love it and you yeah. claim that we're looking through the lens of fan goggles that we're we're oh we yeah of course but you're looking through the let you and jay spence both look through the goggles of i just love cam newton regardless of the fact that the man can't throw a football that's not true now don't, it's, don't, that's it's not pretty, true. It's pretty true. I, and I, as I and as I told Aaron Quinn when he when he came at me about this, I said, "Look at that last pass he threw against the Bills on that last Monday night game, um, against Buffalo. Right? Did he look like he couldn't throw on that? He threw a nice twenty plus yard throw, and what happened? Damari Bird drops yes. it." Yes, right? absolutely. Yeah, it hit him in the chest, yeah. bounced off his chest, and that game could have. Uh, I don't know that. I don't know that the outcome would have been different. The Bills still would have won that foot, won that football game, in my opinion. But the score could have been different. No. It could have been a closer game. But there's nothing fluid about the way that Cam Newton throws a football. Cam Newton, and I said this to I said this to Spence last year before the season started. The dude is broken. I like Cam. I want Cam to be good. The NFL is better with Cam being good because yeah. he's a dominant football player. But something is not right in his right arm. Like there's just something not, something's just not right there. I, but I will but, I will agree with you to a certain extent. He does not look the same that he did prior to his shoulder injury. I will agree with you on that. But what I will say is that when you put Cam Newton with less than average skill skill position players and you expect him to look like 2015 cam it's just like y'all have to give a little leeway at some point and get this man some weapons yeah. now what i will say is that this year if cam don't get it done you will hear no cam love fandom from me because there's no excuse based on what they added in the offseason why he cannot get it done if mac jones it. yes and if mac jones starts <laughs> sooner than later it will all be on cam I don't know, dude. Right. I, the, the reports, the early reports coming out of, of New England is that Mac Jones is not ready. Yeah, they said he hasn't not been good. Ready. Yeah, yeah, no, not ready. And and surprised? No, no, not at all. 
no welcome to qb purgatory i tweeted that last week or earlier in the week yeah. like welcome to qb purgatory new england you've earned it yeah <laughs> so i mean all, all these patriot fans that have no idea who the patriots players were before tom brady showed up are about to vanish again and i'm here for it so i'm yeah. i'm literally that petty i'm here for it so <laughs> so you've got the patriots second uh yeah. which is arguable but to me again this is a pretzel two three four two three and four in yeah. this division is kind of like i don't know so i'm guessing you're gonna go with the dolphins third Oh, you're you you're reading my mind, Joe. Most certainly going Miami three because other, unlike other people, I have faith in Tua. He admitted. Two wait, weeks wait, ago wait! You don't have that much faith in Tua because you you've got him at three behind wait, Cam. Wait, 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 wait! Now I have him three because he hadn't shown me anything. Cam's at least shown me something. Cam Fair. at least don't won some games in the league now. In 2015. And last year he won some games too. They started out two and zero. Remember Cam, that Cam's MVP season is looking like an outlier, much like Lamar's. Well, that's another conversation too, Joe. Don't take me there, man. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't take me there, Joe. Don't take me. But but I have faith in Tua that he will take a leap. They added more playmakers. Yeah. Hopefully they can get their offensive line situation. We'll talk about that later when I give you my offensive line rankings. But I have the belief in Tua that he's gonna get better. But the caveat is. I have even more faith in Jacoby Brissett. If 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 they were to put Jacoby Brissett in, I think he can get them. I think he can get them ten wins. Jacoby, I I don't know. Yeah, I like. Am I wrong for saying that I like Jacoby? I'm not saying that I want Jacoby to start for my football team. Give me Josh Allen all day long and on and yeah. twice on Sunday. I don't not like Jacoby Brissett. Like I'm with you. I'm with. I'm right with you, Joe. I, I like him too. And and when I, I go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, when he got signed, I put starter with a question mark over a tweet. I said, starter? I mean, I, I could see it happening. You know, Jacoby Brissett has won games in this league. Right, for so, sure. So, I mean, yeah, for sure. I'm with you right there. I'm right there with you, Joe. Yeah, for sure. So, you've got uh, – and I can't argue. I would probably, for me, put, you know, the Dolphins. It's, it's hard for me because I just don't see Cam being – the Patriots are about to roll out, and people that have listened to this show – have heard me say this a lot since they since they signed Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. Uh, the Patriots are about to roll out version two of the Gronk and Hernandez offense, where it's an offense that teams have a very difficult time covering because they're going to line one of those guys up as a halfback, the other one is a tight end, and they're going to run multiple sets out of that thing and like crush people because they're hard guys to cover, and it's gonna it's gonna make up for a lot of Cam's. Uh, shortcomings, I guess, is the way that I would say that. I just find fault. I don't know that Cam is right. I would love to see Cam take a year and a half or two years off, get right, and then come back and see what he has. Clearly, he doesn't want to do that. The dude's a he's a specimen of a human being. Um, I probably right now would put the Dolphins in front of, of, of New England, but I get it. So mm -hmm. talk about the Jets real quick. Is Zach Wilson somebody? Probably not this year. In the coming years, something that we got to be afraid of because Jay Morgan, like Morgan, is not playing football. If Zach Wilson doesn't make it, Morgan, like this team's in trouble. If Zach Wilson yeah. does not play football this year, the Jets are in trouble. They're going, they're going out and get, they're all, they're going out and getting Kyle Orton out of retirement. Like if Zach, <laughs> if Zach Wilson can't play football because their bench is horrible. They have the yeah. worst quarterback position group probably in football. Would you agree yes. with that? I would most certainly agree with that. I don't even know who their backup quarterback is at this moment in time. But Morgan, the guy you've Morgan. never heard of. A guy you've is, never it, heard of. is it the dude from James? It's not James Madison. He's from uh, uh I know who he's talking about. I, I remember who he is now. He's no um, he's no yeah. he could be my brother and you wouldn't know it. FIU, I think he went to. I think it's yeah. FIU. That that helps. Not yeah. really. <laughs> <laughs> but um, just to talk about Zach Wilson, honestly, I thought the Jets should have took Justin Fields at number two. I was pounding the table for that a lot. Um I'm glad they the reason, didn't. I'm glad they didn't. Right. And the reason being is because if you watch any of his tape from college, you had to remember he had one of the best old lines in the whole country. Like his left tackle got had drafted, like a bunch of other people on his offensive line got drafted. But what I what I'm saying is is that there's a he threw from a lot of clean pockets. Mm. He was barely touched in college. He had to go against no type of pressure. And on top of that, the system that he ran. It's pretty much the same system that they're bringing to the Jets now. That outside zone, right, right. a lot of pre-snap motion, all of that stuff, defined reads where he has one or two or three reads. That is pretty much what he ran in college is what he's going to run in the NFL. That is why I can see him succeeding. 
But you remember he played Coastal Carolina his last game in college. They had a tough defense. And he will be playing a defense like Coastal Carolina every single Sunday. He barely had to operate against pressure last year. Right. Barely. So now you come into the NFL where you, to be a good quarterback in the league, you have to be able to operate under pressure. That's For the sure. reason Jared Goff is not in uh, in uh, L.A. anymore because he cannot right. operate under pressure. That's right. So I, I do not believe in Zach Wilson. I believe in a system. And if he mm. can execute that system the way it needs to be because it's it's the, it's the Matt LaFleur – Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan system, the outside zone system, if everybody's familiar with that. That's the system yeah. he'll be running. So if he can run that system effectively, I can see the Jets being contenders to come. But if he can't, like you said, Joe, they're going to be in rough, rough trouble. shape. They're going to be in a lot of trouble. Daniel Gower says uh, Cam Tank, to my point, that I said I think mm-hmm. I'd like to see Cam take a year or two off. He said that Cam t- cannot take a year, uh, two years off. Nobody would sign in the past, sign for cheap for two years in a row. I don't think that's accurate. Isn't isn't the number that he's working on with incentives this year like eighteen million or sixteen million? He I didn't. Thought come, it was, yeah, it was something it was, like that. Yeah, it was one to six, I think, last year, and I think mm-hmm. it's it's a big number this year. It's it's yeah. like fourteen to eighteen million dollars. Uh, here's a fun question. Where did it go? Uh, <clears throat> G Long Video Guy, thanks for being a part of the show. Who is better, Fields or Tua? I have my own opinion. I'm gonna let you go first. Man, you guys put me in a tough spot. Uh, I would take Fields, right? Simply because Fields work with less talent at Ohio State. Um, they call Ohio State the Alabama of the North, <laughs> right? But I don't. St- I still don't think Ohio State has as much talent as Alabama, the actual Alabama. And Tua admitted on on to everyone that he didn't know his playbook, and that's where I think Fields is better. Fields can excel up here. Where you know, if you don't, where, where does where does I didn't know my playbook fall into? I thought it was going to be harder. I I don't know where where he got like I think thinking saying that was cool, but like you can't do that, bro. If you're going to say something like I felt that this was harder, or I didn't know my playbook, like you better go out there and ball. Right, right. I, I'm always, I, mean? I, I always return back to JP Lossman, and I'm not saying mm-hmm. that like JP, like I'm not not for good reasons. But JP Lossman, there was I don't remember who the reporter was, but somebody asked JP Lossman in a post game presser or on a Wednesday uh, practice presser, they asked him what is the biggest difference between college and professional football as a quarterback. JP Lossman said, and I loved this statement. He said the biggest difference between college and the pros is guys that are covered in college are open in the pros. So, like, what the guy you're taught not to throw to in college is the guy you're throwing to in the pros because in the pros, the tight the, the coverage is so much tighter. Everybody is so much closer. So it's yeah. going to be interesting. But the quarterbacks are the quarterbacks. I think that's pretty much easy. Let's move yeah. to something that's a little more difficult. And I don't necessarily know that Bills Mafia is going to probably argue with you much. Yeah, I would say though this like when it comes to the running back group in the AFC East, this isn't exactly like stalwart. Like this yeah. isn't like there's no nobody's going like holy crap like this is the best running back group like there's a bunch of like two dollar guys and like yeah. blue chippers and hopefully somebody works Michael Gaskins who I like because the dude runs hard so yeah. how do you have uh, AFC East running backs ranked so number one again I have Buffalo really um, wow yes this is this is why this is why they spent second and third round draft picks on running backs Devin Singletary. Zach Moss, uh, two great yeah. running backs. I think it's two thirds. Wasn't it two thirds? Two thirds. Okay, I'm sorry. Two thirds. You might be right. I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> Chris Janky yeah. will tell us in a second. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they they spent. Let me just say this. They spent draft capital, high draft capital on running yes. backs. Yes. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, both of them pretty much do the same thing. They force a lot of missed tackles. Devin Singletary was in the 89th percentile in forcing missed tackles. Zach Moss was in the 69th percentile in forcing missed tackles. Every running back that I listed here on this list, I would take Devin Singletary and Zach Moss over. Maybe mm. you have an argument with Damian Harris. Maybe you have an argument with Miles Gaskin. Two third rounders. But, yep. Yeah. So, but other than that, like you said, Joe, I mean, he's a bunch of two dollar guys. So, yeah. to your point, the bar isn't really set too high here. You know, there isn't really a, a running back group here that's like, oh man, you know, I gotta have these running backs. If I'm, if I had to just pick. Between just AFC East running back, I think the best running back probably is Devin Singletary in this whole this whole division. Wow, you know, so that's probably that's my main reason for putting them number one. When my, we talk about, go ahead, my, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say my wow isn't over me not liking Devin. I love Devin and I love yeah. Zach. Um, it's more about 
Gaskin, he, there's just an energy to him. There's something that he brings to the field. There's a production value to him that is just, to me, a, a little one up on everybody else. New England is going to be the scheme. New England is yeah. always going to hurt you when you're not looking for it. They're going to gash you when you're not looking for it, whether it's Harris or Michelle or White. They're going to throw somebody right. out there that, that's going to be a changeup that you're not looking for. They're going to rip off an 18 foot, 18 yard like run. But nobody that's ever left New England has ever become anything as far mm-hmm. as from a running running back standpoint. But for me and Tevin Coleman and, and, and as far as New York, like I don't even know that that's a conversation. It's, Gaskin exactly. to me, Gaskin to me is the guy from a production standpoint that just. He just seems that I don't want to say have it. There's just it's it's hard to say that a guy has it when they're a bunch of like I said blue chippers. But you might be right from a dual head situation. Singletary Moss and let's throw Breida in there. Breida who be, fumbled who fumbled this week in practice? Right. Well, they're gonna fumble. <laughs> running running backs fumble. Marv Levy said that. But but when you look at, I didn't expect it to be the Bills, but I can see where you're leaning. So Bills one. Who's two, three, and four? Two. Is the Patriots for what you just mentioned? It's scheme. Yeah, scheme. Yep. It's scheme more than anything. It's a scheme. It, it, like I'm not really crazy. I actually said at one point in time that James White was the best player on the Patriots. Not named Tom Brady, obviously. You might be but right. But that's that's what that's how I feel about him. But obviously he's older now. Um, Damian Harris, Sony Michelle. I think those are two solid backs. Right, I don't think right. any one of those two backs are as good as Devin Singletary. And I would take Zach Moss over those two. Yeah. So, but it's to what your point, your original point of the scheme being what it is. And yeah, then sure. number three, I have uh Miles uh Miami and Miles Gaskin. Miami actually signed um Malcolm Brown from the Rams, who's actually a solid backup, also. So I can see Miles Gaskin, man. The thing with him is like he's not a every he's not a three-down back, you know, mm-hmm. he's a complimentary back. You put him in a complimentary, oh, he's gonna shine. So yeah, now that sure. they got a two, so now that they got a two-headed monster, I think the their running game will be a lot better. But like Miles Gaskin really doesn't like the, he really doesn't like the fire for me. You know what I mean? I know you like him, but I mean, he's no, a, no, no. He's I didn't say right. I didn't. I didn't say like him. There's just yeah. a there's an energy to him. There's a there's an Antonio Williams esque against Miami, uh, effort that's there, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's just a different. There's just a different level. But uh, Richard, oh, that's not. Uh, J- Jason Taylor asks, where does Breida fit in in this offense for the Bills? Where do you, I know he fumbled, but to me, running backs fumble. That's just what they do. Uh, you don't want them to fumble on the goal line on their on their own goal line like Zach Moss did last year against four, the 49ers. But where where does Breida fit in? Clearly, if the Bills are committed to, and this goes back to John Fina, I've talked about it a lot on the show. Uh, the offensive line to me was not the problem. The backs weren't the problem. The scheme was the problem. The Bills went to a pin and pull. They tried to do a wide zone. It did not work. However, now they have a wide zone runner in Matt Breida. If the Bills choose to go wide zone, Matt Breida is the guy. However, if they go back to pin and pull. Where does Breida fit in this offense? It's tough because you're gonna have to get him out in space for him to utilize his skill set. He is what one of the fastest backs. And yes. like I think last year he had the fastest. Hour. Yeah, he had the fastest run, touchdown run of any running back in the league. So I mean, if you run an outside zone and you run in primarily zone, that's that's where Breida's gonna shine. I mean, he was productive in Kyle Han- Kyle Shanahan's system. You know, that's an outside zone system. So. I personally see Antonio Williams fitting in better than Matt Breida is. There's many people who think Breida isn't going to make this rock, make this team. You know, I, I, yeah, I personally, honestly, Joe, I personally don't know why they signed Matt Breida. I know, I know why, because they thought, they thought, Hey, you know, we don't have a speed element and we need that. But I thought Antonio problem. It's a sincere problem on this D on this offense for sure. Is it a problem, no, Joe? Like, it's a problem. Do you need? Do you need a speed back? You're talking about two running. Two, I, I love Devin Singletary. I love Zach Moss. You're talking about two guys that can't get to the edge. They're running jet sweeps because they they, they run sweeps with their quarterback who can get to the edge because their running backs cannot get to the edge. Cannot. I Joe, I hear you. I hear you. And and, and to Bill's mafia's point because they were clamoring for ETN. At the top of the draft last year, too. I mean, uh, this year, excuse me. Yep. I hear you guys. I hear you guys about the speed thing. But I was talking to my guy, James Mallory, who played running back in the league. Mm -hmm. And he coaches running backs. He played running back for Tampa Bay. He said that the speed backs are usually the backs that have the most issues winning the league because they rely on their speed for every single thing. Like, how many running backs are you actually seeing bust off 30, 40-yard runs consistently, like frequently. 
Yeah. Like it doesn't happen that often. No, you're talking and about so, patience. You're talking about patience. Speed yeah. backs do not have patience. And and so therefore, with that in mind, it's just like I rather have that that guy that's gonna give me those six, seven, eight yard gains. Like a speed back isn't gonna put the bills where they need to be, especially right. if Dable isn't gonna use backs. I mean, Dable was in a playoff game and ran once in one and a half. He ran one time, one yeah. design run. So are you telling me now when Matt Breida here, he's going to get enough carries or get enough opportunities to bust off these big runs that you guys are looking for? Well, Dable spoke to that, and he spoke to just about being efficient and being productive in the runs that you call. It's not about being balanced. It's about being productive when you call it, which the Bills were not last year. We're not, exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, They were not. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I don't know where Breida's fit is. So you've got the Bills one, you got the Patriots two. Where do you have the Jets and the Dolphins? Uh, Dolphins are three. Right. Uh, I like Miles Gaskin for the role he's in. I like Malcolm Brown as a backup. He was very solid with the Rams. You know, had a good thing. Uh, the only thing that's probably holding them back is their offensive line, but we will talk about that later. Yeah. And then last, again, rightfully so, is the Jets. I mean, their running back room consists of, as you mentioned, Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, LaMichael P. Ryan, and then mm-hmm. a guy that mm-hmm. I like, exactly, and mm-hmm. a guy that I like, Michael Carter from UNC. <laughs> Well, I had a right. chance to talk to, so I right, mean, right, right. I'm I'm hoping for him, but I mean, not many really guys, not many guys here that you actually know and that have actually, besides Tevin Coleman, but actually put in solid work in the league. So I yeah. mean, you got to go with the Jets last. Gotcha. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm surprised you got the Bills first, um, but yeah, that's that's interesting. So let's move to wide receivers because we got to keep this moving, otherwise yes, this thing's going to be two hours long. Wide receiver breakdown, AFC East. Who do you have? One. One is obviously again Buffalo. Buffalo has the best wide receiver in the division. I'm surprised you did that. I'm, I'm su- why? Why are you surprised? You just I there's a, there's an antagonist feel to you. I thought for sure with the addition, I I wholly expected to come into this conversation with you telling me about Wet Waddle coming in to the Dolphins is going to put them over the top. That's just I apologize. No. That's just where I let. That's just I just had. I, I came in with some assumptions. So See, you, Joe, I'm a I'm an analyst first. I'm an analyst <laughs> of football first. Give me why it's I, the Buffalo Bills. This is a this is a fun night. Like yes. let's go, let's this go. This is why Diggs <laughs> is unquestionably the best receiver in this division. That's number one. Agreed. Number two, he had three thousand yard seasons before he came here, yes, and he once he got with Josh Allen, injured all three, if I'm not mistaken, injured all was. three season. Yep. He was and also went over a thousand yards. And then once he got with Josh Allen and got that opportunity, got those targets and touches that a number one wide receiver gets, he showed you what he can do. He has one of the highest, I think it's the third, second or third highest contested catch rate of any wide receiver in the last three years. He is six foot y'all. Which, like 190 which, pounds. Which, to be honest, is what the Bills needed. I was in yeah. 2019 when this podcast started clamoring for a, for, for, for a true number one wide receiver. And Bills Mafia was all about Robert Foster. And they were, they were all about Duke Williams. And I was like, there, the Bills have not had, had a true number one wide receiver since Eric Molds. I love yeah. Stevie. I love what Stevie did. But to have a guy that can make those contested catches, and that's the immediate impact that we saw from Stephon Diggs was legitimately that he was going up and taking away balls from defensive backs that wide receivers in the, in the last 20 years for the bills have not done well, said. literally, well absolutely. Said. Yep. And as we move to the other wide receiver, Cole Beasley, Cole Beasley statistically has been the best slot receiver in the last in the three years. He yeah. is the most open receiver in the last three years. He is open on 70% of his routes. It's he crazy. gets a separate he gets a step or more of separation. It's crazy. Just think about that. Yeah, so pretty much every time you throw you throw him the ball, you're gonna be open. Pretty much. And every time he gets tackled, he's bad. I love that about Cole. I've been <laughs> I've been watching. So I have all the Bills games recorded from last year, and I've been watching just all the games back whenever I get not a little bored, but just to, just to kind of I'm just ready for football. Even my daughter McKenna is ready for football, and it's mm-hmm. funny to see like like Beasley do a little in and out or a double move or something like that, and like catch a ball, run for 14 yards, and get up angry that he got tackled. Yeah. <laughs> He's a, he's a great he's a great receiver man it's like bro you're five foot nothing like these guys are gonna get you like they're gonna get yeah. you from behind but what's funny to me and i don't know how much you paid attention to 18 versus or i'm sorry 19 versus 20 the bills made a living in 19 of with Diggs doing the little out and then in across the middle and then Allen would hit him in time and he would burst across the seam and score the bills did not run that play in 2020 once 
They made a living with Beasley in 2019 with that play and did not run it once in 2020. Sidebar, sorry, that's just me rabbit trail. No, that's a that's a great that's a great observation because it's funny that you say that because Stephon Diggs he came into the uh, came into the Bills as one of the uh, highest graded receivers on um, deep sh- deep crossers, mm-hmm. and then Josh Allen was uh, one of the highest graded receivers throwing deep crosses, I think, through like week five. So they kind of, to your point, they kind of morphed and changed their philosophy in terms of the the money routes that they run. And you saw that in the, right. And you saw that in the Miami game, they ran a levels concept, which is basically two crosses, two crosses at the same time, a mesh concept. They ran that for a first down, you know, and they were switching it up. And Diggs became the highest graded receiver on you know, uh, deep crossers. So, I mean, it just speaks to the evolution of the offense. So that was a great point that you just brought up. Yeah, it's good. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. It's it's just funny that they they did they threw in that bubble screen to, uh, or the wide receiver screen to John to John Brown. They tried to throw it to Gabe and Stephon Diggs a couple times, but nobody ran it like Brown did. And Brown would have scored had he not been injured late in the season a couple times, but obviously the ankle injury, the leg injury was bothering him. But let's yeah. move on. So the Bills, you got yeah. the Bills number one. Uh, number sure. two. Uh, number two is the Miami Dolphins. They have added Will Fuller. Agreed. Devontae Parker. I mean, Devontae Parker still a good receiver, man. Oh yeah. And oh, then yeah. they took they took uh, Jalen Waddle, very high in the draft, speedy guy, very explosive guy. It's gonna be mm-hmm. tough. Listen, we can. This is gonna be another conversation for another day. But the Bills gonna struggle with that that speed on 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 defense. They gonna struggle mm-hmm. with it. If it's screamed sure. up right and and Tua can get him the ball, they are gonna struggle with that with that speed. And then they got Preston Williams. If you go back and watch Preston Williams, the first time they played uh, Miami last season, he killed Trey Wright on a deep route. Oh. Preston Williams has cha- he has talent. He can play. So right, they have right. a pretty deep uh, wide receiver core. So that's my number two. Gotcha. Uh, number three, since they're much improved, I think they improved. More than the Patriots did, the Jets are number two for me. Corey Davis, Corey had is his, big. He's big. He, he, he is. He had a career year last year, uh, 89 graded receiver per PFF. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have Denzel Mims, who averaged yep. 15 yards a catch. Um, they, second year, second year player, come, right? Yep, second year player. Um, he gave Trey White some fits yes, last year, actually. Second game, second Jets game, he gave him some fits. And Trey White was a little upset and a little perturbed going up against Denzel Mims last year. So <laughs> go watch that tape too. Yep, so yep, that, yep. that's that's Denzel Mims. And then Braxton Berrios, that no one's really talking about. He was their highest graded receiver from week 11 to 18. Little mm. Braxton Berrios. So he was really good for them last year. They added Keelan Cole from Jacksonville, who was a solid complimentary piece, who was actually outplaying um, Denzel Mims right now. That's the, the report from their camp. Mm-hmm. And also, just as my man just mentioned, Elijah Moore, they drafted in the second round again from Ole Miss, who can get it done in the slot and on the outside. That should be very fun to see. You know, sure. Zach Wilson is not without weapons. So the Jets come in number three for me. And then lastly um, is the Patriots. Um, we, we don't even have to talk about that. I as mean, long, as long as Nico Harry is on this football team, we can stop talking about <laughs> <laughs> that's that's harsh, Joe. Joe, that's harsh, man. That's true, harsh. Though. It's just true. It you're, talking true. About, you're talking about a bad drafting football team. The Patriots yes. are just—they've just not traditionally been a great drafting offensive-wise, like football team. But yeah. uh, for yeah. time's sake, let's move on to tight ends. Uh, so mm-hmm. tight ends, one, two, three, four. Who you got at one? Number one, I obviously have New England. They added two. Let's say two top. Yeah, two top ten tight ends. Let's say yep, they yep, added yep, yep. in the offseason. Um, number two. Is definitely Mike Gusecki, uh the Miami Dolphins, excuse me. Mike Gusecki, uh from weeks one through five, was the highest graded tight end in the league. I love I mean, Mike Gusecki. I yeah, want Mike him on, I want him on the bill so bad. Yes, just, yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah, he's so good. Yeah, he's great. And then they got Durham Smythe, who's a pretty solid blocking tight end. And they got they added Hunter Long from Boston College, who's a pretty good possession um tight end, also. So I like I like their room and I like who's gonna be contributing at tight end for them. And then number three, I have the Bills, because as much as I have banged on Dawson Knox this off this offseason, he had he did show flashes mm. down mm. the stretch where he did get better. I will say that he cut his drops from nine to four, yeah, which is big. an improvement. Big. And they added Jacob Hollister, who was a like you mentioned at the top of the podcast, who was played solid when given opportunities in Seattle with Russell Wilson. I mean, he's a solid yeah. tight end. Yeah. I've been saying yeah. that so. And he's got history uh, with Josh. Josh understands yeah. <clears throat> kind of his body language, which is good. That's gonna be, I, I think that'll pay off. I'm surprised yeah. that you've got the Bills at three over Chris Herndon because Chris Herndon to me is a great tight end in the NFL. 
Obviously, see, he's got nobody throwing him the football necessarily. Yeah, but the thing is, though, he, he see, this is the thing with, with Chris Herndon. When the fantasy football community latches onto you, you can never be you can never be bad. Right, like Juju Smith Schuster, all these the fantasy the fantasy guys love these guys. Juju, Chris Herndon. Fan- yeah, yeah, and so it's the fantasy guys that pushes, oh, we got to get Chris Herndon. We got to get Chris Herndon. Yeah, Chris yeah. Herndon cannot stay on the field. Yeah. It's, He's been it's, hurt. It's, it's very similar to Devontae Parker. So Devontae Parker yeah. against the Bills is going to get 10, 10 catches for 145 yards and a touchdown, but the Dolphins are going to lose to the Bills in that effort. Like, so <laughs> right. to, your, to your point, that's right. I mean, Herndon is going to get his, he's going to get, he's going to gobble up his stuff, whether or not the production makes you know, uh, any sense to the win loss column, you know, is it remains to be seen. Tyler Croft is obviously there. So they've signed Tyler Croft. The bills never really realized Tyler Croft's potential. In my opinion, obviously he was hurt for a little bit. Good dude. Good football player. Uh, Dawson Knox to me is going to be an interesting piece and it's going to come down to, and I said this, this is the swing at the top of the show. If the bills can find a way to land Zach Ertz, they're the number one tight end group. So now you're talking about the bills being number one in quarterback running back in your opinion, wide receiver, tight end. Uh, if they can get Zach Ertz, they've got to have help. In my opinion, I don't know that Knox and Hollister are ready to be the guys. I fear the loss of Lee Smith because they're losing that tight end who is an extra tackle lee smith was a was a tight end who was an extra tackle when they needed an extra tackle which literally was a signal we're going to run the football but we'll see as far as that goes but uh i can't necessarily disagree so and i'm, and I'm rushing a little bit just for the sake of time i want i want people to be able to ask you questions if they have mm-hmm. any uh offensive line and literally for me i'm going to lean into you on this one because i like the bills offensive guys I love Dawkins. I love Ford, uh, the potential of Ford. I love Morse at center. I love Feliciano, and I love Daryl Williams. These guys have never played football together. The five of them have never taken a snap together in those positions. However, I'm interested to see where you fall, AFC East-wise, on the offensive line. So, number one, I have the Patriots. They have, and it was to your point that you made at the beginning when we talked about running backs. Mm-hmm. That is why that their running back group is number two because of the old lines that they always have. They mm-hmm. were predominantly a running team last year, right, and they were right. pretty solid at it. Let's say they had, you know, average quarterback play. They probably could have been a playoff team, maybe, you know. So, I mean, it all starts with your old line. I mean, they got Trent Brown, uh, Michael, I can't say his name, Awenu. Isaiah Wynn, Shaq Mason, and David Andrews. That is a solid group right there. There's no weak. I don't see any weaknesses in that group right there. Right, they're gonna be good. And and with those and then, tight ends, with those tight ends, it's gonna be. Dude, there's there's yeah. a chance that the Buffalo Bills could win the AFC East and lose twice to the Patriots this year. I agree, hundred percent, because of that tight end group and the and Belichick is gonna scheme up the defense. He's also getting back all of his opted out players this year. It's gonna be, it's gonna be. It's it to me. It's going to come down to that quarterback. But, yeah, yeah. Go, moving on. So, number one, Patriots. Number two? Bills. Nice. Because they have solidified two of the most valuable offensive line positions in the league. They get above-average play from both spots. And the teams that are below them literally can't get their offensive line straight right now. So, mm-hmm. the Bills get number two just strictly by having two solid offensive tackles that they can rely on from game to game. Yeah, so, very good, very good. I mean, no. that, that's – it, it, it remains yeah. to be seen to me, and, and this goes back to John Fina. John Fina, I, I I pinned him down, and I asked him, "Is it the is it the running backs? Is it the offensive line guys? Is it the scheme?" And he finally admitted it's the scheme. It's going to come down to me for does Dable, and it potentially could be McDermott. It could be McDermott telling Dable what he wants to run. But it, are they going to fit the scheme to the players, or are they going to force the scheme on the players? And that literally is going to tell the story for me as it pertains to the 2021 season when it when it comes to that offensive line. But number three. Yeah. Number three, I have the Jets because they at least have one above average player at tackle. Makai Becton. They have Makai Becton. Super good. Um, they just added Elijah Vera Tucker, who will be a solid guard in this mm. league. They have a George Fent, but he is not very good. So, but I give Jets number three strictly if you can get those valuable. Offensive line positions locked down. You are mm. ahead of the game. Mm. The Patriots, they have every single offensive line position solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the Bills have two solid tackles. But if you can get a solid tackle, either either or, you, you're in good shape. And so that's why I have the Jets number three. And then number four, 
is obviously has to be Miami. They started four, uh, three rookies last year. Mm. Literally none of them panned out the way they thought it would. Obviously there were rookies. Robert Hunt, I do like. I think he can be something. But, you know, they drafted Austin Jackson in the first round. Solomon Ken- Kenley. All of these guys, just, just a bunch of question marks across the O-line. And so, I mean, they were the obvious choice for number four. And they could be the reason why Tua doesn't take that step that people are looking for just because they can't lock down the O-line. So they did draft uh, Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame, who was a solid, you know, offensive lineman who graded out at a 90 at tackle yeah, yeah. For, at Notre Dame. So we'll see what they what they look like. But, yeah, they don't have any type of continuity on their O-line. So, I mean, they have to be number four. That's awesome. EJ, this has been, I've got one more question for you, but this has been a lot yes, of fun. Sir. This has been great. Yes. Like you, you brought it. You brought I have it. To. To this if show. I come on Joe Miller's <laughs> podcast, if I come on an overreaction podcast and I don't bring it, I'm going to quit. That's what I should do. You if brought it. And there were surprises. And uh, I love, I, I can't necessarily, I can't necessarily disagree with anything that you said. And even reading the comments in the section, uh, I can't like it doesn't seem like anybody's disagreeing either. It seems like we're all kind of on the same page. So this is what I'm going to do before we before we cut this thing loose. I'm going to ask you this question. When you rank one through four, how they're going to finish AFC East in the division this year. Where do you have the teams rolling out at one, two, three, four? I think it's kind of obvious, but I think there's a I think there's a little bit of a potential who knows between two and three. But what do you have finishing one, two, three, four in the AFC East? One, obviously, I'm going to have Buffalo strictly because they had the best quarterback in the division and the right. quarterback. And I hate to say it like this, and everyone hates when I say it like this, but it's pretty much a fact. Nothing matters in football but your efficiency in the passing game. Buffalo has the most efficient passing game in the division, period. Agreed. Maybe and they will. One of the top three in the league, probably. Yes. Top three. Tampa, yeah. Kansas City, wherever yep. you want to rank them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. One, two, three. I, I'll yep. agree yep. with that. Yep. And then um, number two, I'm going to have the Patriots strictly because, again, as you mentioned, Joe. They have the scheme. They have the O-line. They're getting a lot of their players back. Coach, they have all of the ingredients. I just wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots win a division. They're not going to. I'm not picking them to. I wouldn't be surprised if they win Bill, the division. Buffalo would burn. Buffalo would not burn, but Bill's Mafia would be on fire if that <laughs> they happened. Would. Like, they would. They would. I just can't. The Bill schedule is too simple. It's not simple. Mm-hmm. Too easy. The, the Bill schedule in 2021 is too easy for, in my opinion, there's no way the Patriots are winning 13 football games with Cam Newton as a quarterback. Joe, I, see, that's a conversation for another. I can make so many cases <laughs> as to why they, they could win 13 games, but but it, but you know, I let I let it slide. I let it slide, and I go, <laughs> I go, I go to my third team. Uh, I'll go to the uh, Miami Dolphins because I believe in um, Brian Flores. I believe he'll do what it needs to be done. They added a bevy of playmakers. And they added Brissett as insurance policy in case Tua does not work. Yep. Jacoby Brissett has shown that he can work in not so advantageous situations. So I think that, you know, if they win like seven or eight games, I can see that. They have a pretty good defense also. But I just that offensive line is not solid. And if your offensive line not set, I, I, I can't I can't get on board. And then obviously, number four is the Jets strictly because they're trying out a rookie coach. Do they win a football Rook- game? Do they no, win they're winning football. Yeah, they won a football, football game. game. Oh yeah, with the system that they run, they won a football game. Absolutely. Two, two years in a row, less than five wins, less than four wins. Crazy. Like that's just if, ineptitude. Like it's like huge ineptitude. Different leadership, different coach. Everybody knows that Gates is inept as a coach. Everyone knows that. For sure. Now they have a coach in there who's comes from a good foundation, comes from Kyle Shanahan's uh, tree, brought mm-hmm. over a Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan's offensive coordinator, running a different system. They got a new quarterback. They're bringing, bringing in better players, different players. They will be better this year. Do I think they'll be good enough to be second or third in this division? No, but they will be more improved. Good stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been watching and listening to the Overreaction Sports Podcast brought to you by the Market Dominator on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. I'm your host, the voice of the Overreaction Sports Podcast. My name is Joe Miller. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. Here with my guest, EJ Daniels from PFF and the Cold Front Report. Do me a favor, EJ. Tell everybody where they can find you. I've enjoyed this, by the way. This has been a lot yes. of fun. But where can give us give where can they find you? How can they follow you? Where can they hear you talk some more? Bills football. Give it to us. So first and foremost, if I'm the most accessible on Twitter, as Joe mentioned, like I said, <laughs> I'm here for all your hot takes. Any takes that uh, I don't agree with, I will most certainly let you let you know about it. So Twitter <laughs> at E Daniels at E Daniels seventy seven. 
that is where I'm the most accessible. I'm also on Facebook, um, Ernest Daniels. Um, I, obviously, I work for the Cold Front Report, so we do Facebook live shows probably every Saturday morning, Sunday yeah. night. We're, we're pretty much on pretty much every night of the week. We just got the uh, breaking tables uh, that we get in on every Monday night where we have a guy who goes to all the Bills backers bars and, and shows you where the party's at. If you guys are ever traveling and you want to connect with Bills Mafia in different states. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing stuff, you know, for that and on that, too. So those are the two main places where you can interact with me. And I will be more than happy to interact with everyone. Please be respectful, though. Super good. Uh, I would recommend everybody follows you, bro. Like it's uh, you're good. You're you're a great. You're you're one of the better follows, which is super awesome. So, uh, dude, I appreciate it. you being on the show. Like this was fun. So I'm glad. I'm glad we finally got you on. Yes, I pre- I appreciate you having me again. As I mentioned, this was an honor. Joe, having being on Joe Miller's podcast is definitely <laughs> one of the highlights of this. I am not being funny. I'm being dead serious. I appreciate Joe having me on, and congratulations on getting verified on Twitter. Right, right. That's totally crazy. <laughs> still, still, still super crazy and verified on Twitter. You, you, you deserve it. I appreciate that, brother. So, yeah. uh, for EJ Daniels, uh, Daniels, and myself, Joe Miller, uh, the Overreaction Sports Podcast, once again brought to you by the Market Dominator on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Till next time, again, possibly there will be no show next week, Father's Day, my birthday weekend. Uh, so look for us the weekend after that. Otherwise, until the next time, mini camps this week, 15th, 16th, and 17th. Uh, the season's coming up soon for Joe Miller. Go Bills for EJ. Say it. You got to say it. Go Bills. I say it. Go Bills. We'll see you guys <laughs> next time. <laughs>